the title of our message today is, What Are You Looking At? And what you're looking at has more to do with the eyes through which you're looking than it has to do with what you are actually looking at or seeing. And the question is begged, do we really see at all most of the time? Because what happens with us is that we see a part of something and our brain fills in the rest. We see um, a few letters of a word and our brain fills in the rest of the word. We see a few, a few words in a sentence and our brain fills in the sentence. This is proven scientifically. So we're reading parts of words and parts of sentences, waiting and trusting that our brain will fill in the rest. And we're seeing parts of people, parts of what's going on in the world, and we're allowing our brains to fill in the rest. And that's okay. That's what our brains were made for. It gives us a little shorthand. But when we are not centered in who we are, when we are not centered in love, in God, in the love of God, then what is our brain filling in? Think about that for a moment. In the Gospel of Thomas, Jesus said, learn to see that which is right in front of you, and then you will be able to see that which is hidden. So rather than looking for hidden meanings in things right away, start actually looking at things as they are instead of letting your brain fill in what you think they are. That's a wondrous way to re-look at the world. It's great to spend time with children because children look at the world with new eyes. If you ever want to be astounded, take a walk with a three-year-old and look at the ground. <laughs> Bugs and blades of grass and little flowers, trash, which you have to keep them from picking up. <laughs> are all a, so, uh, a source of wonder to them. And if you look at them through the child's eyes, you, they will be a source of wonder to you. So first of all, we talked about last week, who do you think you are? Because who you think you are, who you believe you are, at your core, will have to do with how you fill in these blanks. And if you believe you're unworthy, or you believe you're superior, or you believe you're right and other people are wrong, or you believe you're wrong and everyone else is right, all of those beliefs are what fill in the gaps of what you don't see. And in that way, you determine what is seen and what is not seen by you, what is taken in. And y'all, even when we see, even when we slow down enough to pay attention, pay attention, I think I've told this story before. When I was in the fifth grade, my English teacher, Mrs. Easter, caught me and my friend Kelly talking in the hall. And she had a little card box of index cards. And she would pull one out and say, you need to write that a thousand times. That was our punishment. A thousand times. I think Kelly's was something like, I will not talk in the hall. I don't know. It was very short. It wasn't fair. Mine was, Attention is the stuff memory is made of, and memory is accumulated genius. <laughs> I had no idea what that meant in fifth grade. It's only in the last few years, because I promise you, right, so a thousand times you're not going to forget it. Attention is the stuff memory is made of, and memory is accumulated genius. When we pay attention, then we remember things. 
and we remember them as they are through our perception in the moment. And then those things add up and add up and add up. And that's what builds a life. That's what builds a mind. That's what builds what you think with. And how you think of yourself and how you perceive the world and how you perceive other people. So first of all, pay attention. Pay attention. You may need to adjust who you think you are in order to start filling in the gaps of what you see from a more loving perspective, from a more positive perspective. There's a story, and I think it was told to me by my friend Christopher Chenoweth, who I think was quoting uh, Desmond Tutu, but don't quote me. <laughs> so there is a mountain with real windy roads where you cannot see around any corners. And a police car was driving, winding around toward the top of the mountain. And on one of the drives, they passed a car full of African-American people. And those and those men were, were like screaming out the window and raving, waving their arms and saying, pigs, 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 pigs. Oh, and the policemen were so angry. They were started driving even faster to try to get to a place where they could turn around and come after that car. And then they went around the corner as fast as they could and they ran into a herd of pigs. <laughs>
If we can't love our neighbor, we can't love ourselves. If we can't love ourselves, we can't love our neighbor. If we truly approach ourselves and everyone else and everything else with love instead of judgment, then we will know what it is to love and be loved. Jesus also said, judge not lest ye be judged. And that means, it, it does mean, you know, don't judge because other people are going to judge you. It means don't judge because the moment you do, you are in judgment. You've already judged yourself. I promise you what you're saying about other people is about some fear inside of you. And what, what fearful, what hateful, what um, judgy things you're saying. But also, the love that you see in other people is a reflection of the love inside of you. The goodness that you see in other people is a reflection of the goodness inside of you. You can't see good if you don't have good. You can't see negativity or hatred. It's a strong word, hatred. Or anger if you don't have that inside of you. We are all the we are the lens through which we see the world. So it's very important that we know who we are and that we pay attention to what is going on around us. What we tend to do is we see things and immediately we categorize them. Some things we dismiss, we don't even see. It's like by the time our brains even registered that we've saw, seen it, it's already. We've already forgotten it because it's not important. That's how you are driving somewhere and you're suddenly there and you have no memory of the road in between. Because your brain filled in the blanks. You probably weren't in danger because your brain was there, but it didn't bother to register it with you. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, I got this. You just keep thinking about what you're thinking about. Um, that's the kind of thing that happens. So we judge it, we categorize it. Oh, that's that kind of thing. Because as soon as we put it in a category, then we don't have to think about it anymore. We've already got it all figured out. We dismiss it, or we appreciate it, or we ignore it, or we take notice of it. And that has all to do with our conception, with our preconceptions, what has to do with our conditioning, who we've been taught that we are. So we have to rethink who we are, and then start paying attention to the world as it is, to the world as God made it, to the world as we are. And then we will start to notice. Buddha had some wise words. He says, it is proper to doubt, to be uncertain. Don't go upon what has been acquired by repeated hearing, nor upon tradition, nor upon rumor nor upon what is in the scripture, nor upon the consideration the preacher is our teacher. He said the monk, but you know what I mean. When you yourself know, when you yourself know, these things are bad. When I do need, when undertaken and observed, these things lead to harm and ill. When I do this, I don't feel good. When I do this, it has a bad result. That's how I learned the truth. And when you yourselves know, then you abandon those things. You don't do them anymore, right? Once you've convinced yourself, yeah, that doesn't work. Sometimes we have to convince ourselves a few times. Yeah, that still doesn't work. Yep. Beat my head on that same brick wall again. And one day we go, oh, brick wall, pain, okay. 
We stop going toward the big brick wall, I hope. We may find another one, but maybe we stop going to that one. And when you yourself know that these things are good, when undertaken and observed, these things lead to benefit and happiness, then enter to and abide in them. When you know, when you feel, when you experience something as good, then you make a note of it. And you say, yes, this is where I want to be. When we are in love, when we are in acceptance, there is no greater experience. Y'all, this is what the saints called a mystical experience. This is what I believe Jesus lived in. He lived in that experience of being able to say, see things for what they are. Now he got frustrated because nobody else could, could seem to see it. He had to say the same things over and over and over again. But he could see it. He could see it. And he said over and over again, things are not as you think they are. That's what the whole Beatitudes is about. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed? It hurts to mourn. It hurts to mourn. But he saw it is a blessing. That is the way that you know comfort. That is the way you know you have been loved and loved. Is to experience that loss and then to come to love again. That is an experience that makes life richer. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That doesn't make sense. Change the way you see is what he was trying to say. Take another look. Take another look. If it doesn't make sense at first, slow down. Look at it a little bit longer. Pay attention. Because attention is the stuff memory is made of and memory is accumulated humans. <laughs> Say that in my sleep. <laughs> so, practice. Everything I see up here doesn't mean anything if you just go home like the Buddha said and say, well, the teacher said it, so I'm, it's fine. You have to practice it. That's all, the only way you ever get good at anything. Do you know, scientists have proven that in order to get truly expert at anything, playing the piano, doing accounting, um, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It takes 10,000 hours of practice. 10,000 hours of practice and you begin to be an expert, but you also lose your expertise if you don't keep the practice up. Use it or lose it, right? So how many hours do you spend loving the world and people and yourself unconditionally? Versus how many hours do you spend practicing not loving yourself or the world or other people unconditionally? Because the thing you practice the most is the thing that you will learn at death. And it will be your default setting. It will be your automatic button. So practice loving. That was the whole message of Jesus. That was the whole message of all wise people in the history of the earth. Practice loving. And you will get better at loving. Start to see every encounter. This is just a practice. Try this this week. When you go out, when you get in the car with your loved ones, when you go to the grocery store, when you walk down the street and pass somebody coming the other way, 
you see something on news or TV. Think of it as a holy encounter. Nothing happens by accident. Nothing happens by accident. So God made an appointment between you and that person. Are you paying attention? Are you keeping the appointment? Are you dismissing it out of hand? Are you saying, well, I'm not the appointment I want, God. I want somebody better than that. <laughs> or are you saying, this has the potential to be a holy encounter. What can I give to it? What can I take from it? That is good. That is good. You know, we had a memorial service for Larry Aubrey yesterday. And he was a person who saw his relationship with people as a holy encounter. He probably wouldn't have put it in those words, but he listened to people to find out who they were. He didn't categorize and dismiss. He listened to everybody. He used his curiosity and his sense of wonder. He listened. And then he gave something. He gave things constantly. And what he would tell you if you talk to him, and he has told me when I talk to him, is that, yeah, but the things I get are better than that. Because he was blessed by every holy encounter. We can lead our lives this way. We can lead our lives this way. It's hard. It's hard. Here's another story about my friend Chris Chenoweth. He, uh, one of his teachers in seminary, um, in class said, if there's anybody in this class who doesn't, who just has someone else in class that they just can't stand, that they just can't get over not liking them, come and talk to me. And so a friend of his did go and talk to the person. I don't know what it is about him, but I just can't, every time he opens his mouth, I just can't stand to hear what he says. When he walks in the room, I cringe. We won't have people like that, right? And so what the teacher said is, okay, this week your assignment is to show up, show up next week in class and tell me one thing you like about that person. One thing. One thing. And so he came back to class the next week and he said, I, I racked my brain all week. I cannot think of one thing. And the teacher said, look at him right now. Tell me one thing. And he said, I like his tie. <laughs> I like his tie. And so the professor said, well, go and tell him that. And he went to the guy and he said, I like your tie. And that began a relationship which 50 years later is still going strong. They're best friends. One thing. Find one thing. Find one thing and praise it. If you have the opportunity to praise it to the person, yes, that's great. But if you don't, it doesn't matter. Praise it. I need that time. Thank you, God, for that glorious time. Thank you for giving it to him. Whatever. It may sound ridiculous, but it's practicing love, y'all. It's practicing goodness. And you get good at being good when you practice being good. And when I say good, I don't mean as opposed to bad or wrong. I mean as opposed to not being filled with love. So why would we ever choose to not be filled with love when we have the choice to be filled with love? It's not easy, but we can do it. 
gifts are often in coincidences, in synchronicities, if we're paying attention. I think about how many things I've gotten in my life just because it showed up. And thankfully, I was aware in that moment. I also think about how many things showed up for me that I didn't see or hear or pay attention to. Those are losses. Ruby says, be watchful. The grace of God appears suddenly. It comes without warning to an open heart. To an open heart. So there's the whole thing. We have to be open. We have to have arms open, hearts open, eyes open, ears open, minds open. Open to love. Don't just be open and say, well, if love hits me upside the head, maybe I'll accept it. But be open and say, I'm going to find some love in this situation. I know it's there and I'm going to find it. And practice expanding. Anytime you feel contracted, that's a sign. Anytime you feel open, that's a sign. And the rewards of paying attention and having curiosity is that you get rewarded with wonder. Wouldn't it be nice to walk through the world with wonder again? The rewards of true perception, of actually listening to who people are and seeing them for who they are, is compassion. The reward of acceptance, of saying, I see how it is, and I accept it. Whether I can change it or not, I accept it. The reward for that is peace. And the reward for an attitude of love is the experience of love. And there's nothing better than that. I'm going to close with another poem, because I just, and y'all know I love poetry, and this one just really tickled me, because it sort of tickled me upon reading it, and it just got deeper and deeper and deeper. This is by Tukuro, a Bhakti poet. He said, I could not lie anymore, so I started to call my dog, God. First he looked confused, then he started smiling, then he even danced. I kept at it. Now, he doesn't even bite. I'm wondering if this might work on people. <laughs> that is treating every encounter as a holy encounter. And when you do, you cannot help but change the other person. When you see them as holy, they have an opportunity to perceive their holiness, to have love come through a chink in their armor. And we get to have love come through the chinks in our armor. Try it on people. See if it works. Thank you. So we're just going to take um, those ideas into a short meditation. So let's just breathe and be where we are. As you become aware of your breath, it centers you in the present. So just continue to notice your breathing. And as you notice, 
opportunities that having a life bring to me. Opportunities to experience love. Consciously with attention and intention now. With every breath that we breathe, choice to pinch ourselves off, to close ourselves up and not receive or give the love, or we have the opportunity to open. To let the love flow through us, not keeping it for ourselves, but watching it and experiencing its expansion as it goes through us and out into the world.
you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit.